Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, doing an update. It's September 1st of the 2020 Fantasy Football Rankings update, injury news, and whatever else is going on to get you ready for your drafts. we got drafts coming up this weekend, and finally, news is coming hot and heavy to this. If you missed the NFC win total show, I don't know what's wrong with you. That show is already out on Mayo Media Network YouTube page. Please subscribe to that. Let's get that up to 10K before the season starts. We have a slew of huge shows coming at you, even some special shows. I'll we'll get to that in a second. Uh, and tomorrow, the AFC win total show, the better of the two shows, although they're both very good. Uh, you can check all of those out um, in the NFC right now, and you can check out AFC tomorrow. We got MMA and then more football coming up later on in the week. My rankings updated on DKNation.com. You can find the link to that in the description of this video or podcast. And hey, Week one is almost here, which means the Pat Mayo Experience Listeners League link is now available. You can find that in the description of this podcast or video. 4,000 spots, $15 to play, three max entry, and the best part, no rake. And if we fill this super quickly, we might get a second one, or we'll just make it bigger for week two. When I said I had some special announcements, those will be coming up at the end of the week. I have a new show launching, uh, not with me in it, but for showdown purposes on Mayo Media Network uh, once a week if you want to get in on DraftKings Showdown. And I have some guests. Uh, It's new Sunday morning guests, new Monday morning guests, but one guest will never change, as it appears. The rankings, debate, guest, on the line right now from TheAthletic.com. It's Jake Seeley. What's going on, my man? Yeah, it's hey, we're about a, what nine days if I'm doing that. Well, depending on when you're watching this in your area, uh, until the football season starts. Yeah, it's gonna be great. I'm so excited. For, I get this way for football every single year, uh, where I just get super jazzed up, and then like by week five, I'm like, oh my gosh, like, we'll fo- can I just have a bye week? This would be fantastic. It's not like week five; it's like week nine. It's like, oh man, we're we're like halfway through this. We, uh, still, have half, we still have two months to go. Not great. I don't know. I I kind of feel like you cut. Me personally, knowing you, I feel like you do hit that around week five or six. It's usually like, I feel like it's with like the waivers. You just kind of get tired of like updating them. Yeah. So I'm going to kind of scale back. That's a big announcement for the Monday. I'm transitioning that from just like a pure waiver wire show to more of a general Pat Mayo experience show that will also include the waiver wire. I'll do the column uh, that will generally be out either Monday mornings or midnight on Sunday directly after the game ends, but I'll have a full release schedule for everything that's going on. Once it's all firmed, contracts are signed. There's no real contracts. I just have to confirm that the guests are going to be there, but tentatively, Jake, it does seem like the Monday show is going to feature me, from Fade the Noise, Chris Meany, and from DraftKings Live, Gary and Thorne back together for the first time in four years. I know. I remember that old show. That's like some good times, although I, f- I feel like a lot of people are like, wait, which one's which? Like when you first started, it's like two Canadians, similar shirts, similar haircuts, although Meany's got that woodsman look now, so now you'll be able to distinguish them more. Yeah, well, Meany moved to like the wilderness, so he looks like a lumberjack at this point. But yeah, they're known, they're known commodities now. Back when we first started, we were all just people in the office together. Now we're in three separate locations. I'm really looking forward to that, though. But enough of this. Smash the like button to the video. Tell me your biggest injury concern heading into drafts for the 2020 season. And if you're listening to the audio podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe. May as well tell a friend while you're at it. Oh, I forgot to mention Kentucky Derby Show with Ben Raza and Cam Stewart coming out on Wednesday as well. So be on the lookout for that. Where do you want to start? You want to start with Fournette or what? <laughs> I mean, I think we have to. I, it's kind of funny. You, you need to, but it's 
kind of beaten into the ground yesterday. So, I mean, we can, we can definitely jump into it. Yeah, I had a short video that I released up on my YouTube page kind of laying out what's going on. Uh, I guess my question to you is, I randomly, in my keeper league, I have my three keepers kind of in, and we play with this shirt called a, a rule called a red shirt keeper, which means if you drafted a player last year but did not play them throughout the course of the year, they're essentially a free keep in the same round that you got them. You don't lose the round of eligibility. You don't lose a year of eligibility. So I actually have two picks with this. I was... It was a very easy decision before yesterday. It was either going to be Noah Font in the 12th round or Rykel Armstead in the 16th round. Now, my problem is Armstead kind of reeks, and do I even want a Jacksonville running back? Uh, you, you do, just not Armstead. So I'm going to, like, I definitely will. I did the same thing in the podcast yesterday. I am taking a victory lap on this one, and it's not because Fournette got released. It's the, oh, Chris Thompson's not going to affect him that much pushback. I got this entire offseason. I kept saying it's going to be about 50% of the passing game work, potentially some of the carries, not to, directly to Chris Thompson, but to Armstead or Zigbo or Emory Hunt loves James Robinson. But that's the issue here is that I don't want any of them. I want Chris Thompson. I want Chris Thompson, who has been an RB3, one of your favorites from back in the day. I'm pretty sure he was on that team that you had in flex that Jay Gruden loves, and he's going to have his role. He's not going to rush 100 times, but he is somebody that can be James White for the Jacksonville Jaguars, who we all keep saying and assuming they're going to be passing a lot, and that's why everybody is over Gardner Minshew and Chenault being a nice rookie and Chris Conley and all the like, – obviously, I'm skipping right past the big name there, but – you know, Chark is going to be huge. Passing game is going to be huge. Everybody loves it. Well, who's in the passing game? Chris Thompson. Forget the other three. This is the Patriots. Don't try to figure out the rest. Just take the one guy you can trust. I'm with you in terms of the guy that you want on your team as a bench fill-in guy for injury, flex play with some upside, Chris Thompson. 100% with you on that. But I, do not, I don't necessarily agree that this is the Patriots. I can see them deciding on one of these guys to be the starter and that person commanding like 65% of the backfield, which is not super valuable in Jacksonville, considering Leonard Fournette had 99% of the backfield and was like barely a low-end running back one. Now, a lot of it had to do with he had no touchdowns, but he was involved in the receiving game, which we did think would go to Chris Thompson a little bit. But I think if you can get this right, like back to my question, like it could be Armstead. If Armstead is a 60, 60, 65, 70% ball carrier, for the Jags and he's on the field that much he does have value of some sort would it be worth me rolling the dice and keeping him in the 16th round do you think you could but he's also mispracticed for almost a full week now and that's the concerns here and that's why James Robinson's become a name who you know I, I actually think that he's somewhat like Frank Gore but like Frank Gore is prime but also not like let me Break this down for everybody. He's Frank Gore's skill set and the fact that he does everything really well, but he's not like, oh, my God, look at that elusiveness. Oh, my God, look at that trucking power. Like, he's just good all around. And I think that's valuable, but I don't know if that kicks aside a Zigbo. I don't know if that kicks aside Armstead. But you would have said Armstead definitively a month ago. But, again, he's been missing practice, and that's why James Robinson's starting to get some noise. I, I guess Armstead is fine, but I don't even know if that 65% in this backfield means that much because it's not going to be passing game work. As you just mentioned, Leonard Fournette only had three rushing touchdowns. Uh, you know, he, he totaled 1,700 yards last year and three touchdowns, almost 1,700 yards. So even if Armstead is the guy, is that even going to – here's the question. I'll kick back to you. Is that even going to be more valuable than Chris Thompson? And I'm not saying that, like, you already agreed that Thompson's the only one, but my point is, is, like, instead of chasing the other, other guys, I guess for your situation as a 16th-round keeper, it's worth it. But what I'm cautioning everybody, if you're going to start taking Armstead in the 6th, 7th, 8th round, I think I would just wait 
and take a flyer on James Robinson or just avoid it. Yeah, I have him ranked just outside the top 100 in my top 200 overall when I did the update of the rankings. It was right around Chris Thompson. I actually had him slightly ahead because I think it's worth the gamble that if he ends up being the guy, he's going to be more valuable, I think at least, than Chris Thompson. Like you mentioned, Chris Thompson's sort of like a low-rent James White in this situation. I'm not even sure... Like, we're still just projecting out what's going to be. Oh, Chris Thompson, he's a pass-catching back. Jay Gruden, he's the new OC. They've played together before. We know what that role is. But, you know, it's still Doug Marone as the head coach. We'll see what ends up happening here. He's got crazy ideas about how much he should be running the ball. And, frankly, we, well, both, like, we both like Gardner Minshew, so we want him running the ball as much as possible. I actually just think, like, this makes Chark, like, the only jag that you really want. And then Chenault, who did have backfield work in college, maybe he gets right. in the mix a little bit? I think it could be right. I actually kind of projected him in the updates as like Robert Woods, maybe 150 rushing yards or rushing touchdown or two, but that's not going to be something you're going to rely on. No, that's but really it's, only, it's nice to have though. It, it's nice to have, but it's nice to have for Robert Woods. It's not right. It's nice, nice to have for somebody who might be the third wide receiver. Like that's, that's not carrying your fantasy team to where it's not even carrying his fantasy value to where you trust him in the lineup. Cause you're not going to predict which weeks those were. The reason it was good for woods is because he's a wide receiver too. And it's like, Hey, that upside kind of pushes him on the cusp of being a wide receiver one, because he might do it in the rushing game as well as the receiving or offset the two. So I don't think it really comes into value with somebody like Chanel more than if you're like looking at the entire season picture. The one thing I will say, like you go back to Marone, this team, and I don't buy it cause it's coach speak, but this team is also talked up. They like Chris Thompson rushing ability inside the five yard line. Like, I mean, I don't think Chris Thompson is going to be the guy at the goal line, but that's part of the reason why I go back to like, I don't know that it's going to be anybody. And just again, I, if you can get it at value, do it You're like Armstead, but I'm just not going to like, I updated my projections and Armstead for me fell into like the Bryce love Duke Johnson, chase Edmonds backup guys type of stuff. Yeah, I think he's on that level, but with the chance to actually earn but the more starting. Upside. But because he can earn the starting job week one, I think I'll keep him where I have him. I might bump up Chris Thompson a little bit. I do agree that Chris Thompson is definitely the safest. Probably if you're going to go into the draft, the one that you probably take the highest is Chris Thompson. If you need that, like especially if you're playing like zero RB uh, or you just need like a third running back or something like that, the floor that Chris Thompson presents is pretty valuable. You mentioned Robert Woods. Uh, his teammate Cooper Cup was reported by Adam Schefter to have a low ankle sprain brain but now it's just being called quote-unquote knee soreness you worried at all <laughs> uh mildly i'd say that if it's going to come down to like a tie break decision if you're thinking cut versus blank just go with the other option if you don't trust mcveigh and the fact that like i feel like he's done this before with everybody like daryl henderson's gonna be fine for week one everybody that gets hurt on his team is like oh no no they're they're fine it's it's you know whatever they like get shot in the arm and it'll be like ah he just bruised his elbow it's it's fine like i just I don't trust McVeigh for a lot of things. Like he's an amazing offensive mind, but I don't trust his speak very often. And, you know, if Cooper cup, the fact it's a sprain obviously versus, you know, just being a Nick up is going to be a big difference in the fact of how much he's going to be able to cut, especially with how he plays. So week one, I mean, I think, and this is why it's like, we're not really going to know until week one. And if he's splitting more with Josh Reynolds, that's going to be a big tell of like how healthy he is. So that's why I say I would use it as a tire break. I'm not knocking him down a lot, but if you were thinking Cooper cup versus AJ Brown, I would go AJ Brown. I already went Brown already, but if you were having that debate, it just makes me love Robert Woods, who I love even more at this point, especially right out of the gate. Sean McVay is Don't like, you have him in the top 10. Oh yeah. Top 10 at receiver. Robert Woods is the guy that you want in the Rams. You take him in like the fourth round or late third round. That guy's going to be a wide receiver one. Count on it. All right. 
Oh, congratulations to you. I saw your fantasy pros ranks in terms of accuracy. Our defense ranks that we combine on. <laughs> number one for the year out of anyone. I told you that was going to happen. I told you you and I were nailing it out of the park. It was like hitting it, <laughs> nailing it out of the park, whatever. I told, I, just, I said that was working perfectly. Is you just went off your gut. Well, not gut. You went with what the big tell is. Well, I'll let you explain it because that's where you came from. You explain your side of it. And then I went with my side of it and I kind of combined our rankings and it came out to number one in accuracy. Yeah. So the big thing that you want to do for defenses, and this is kind of, you know, useless for like the first four or five weeks of the season. But once you get a deeper sample into the season, if you just use, you know, DVOA, let's, let's just throw it out there. So you go to Football Outsiders and you use adjusted sack rate for offensive line, adjusted sack rate for defensive line, and find the ones that are good and find the ones that are bad. And I'm not even talking about like, oh, this defense is so good because there's a lot of bad defenses that actually have a really good pass rush and have a good adjusted sack rate. And all you're actually looking for for fantasy defenses are sacks and pressures. That's all you really want because sacks, you know, are a point anyway. Pressures lead to bad decisions, which lead to interceptions or fumbles, which could result in touchdowns. That is the, it's not an obvious predictor, but you just, the more you give yourself an opportunity to create these pressures and create the high score, you're just going to be a better fantasy defense. You could be you know, playing like someone like the Colts week one. I mean, the Colts playing the Jags, we don't know how everyone's going to look, but that seems like a very good matchup and it could be. But if that's just a game where the Colts win like 14 to three and there's no interceptions and no sacks, well, that doesn't really mean anything from a fantasy <laughs> perspective. You're better off having the team that gives up 25 points, but they have four sacks and a fumble return and everything like that. That just is more conducive to fantasy and where every other position has been perfectly scouted out so far. Like, you know, everyone knows what to look for with receivers, for running backs, for tight ends. It seems like people just don't think about defense because they think it's completely random, but it's not. No, and you're 100% right. And, you know, they're one of the top defenses this year, so it's not like going to take anybody by surprise. But to your point, for week one, you look at a team like the Steelers who should be able to obliterate the Giants' defense, and then the Giants are going to have to pass, and Daniel Jones has turnover issues, and they pressure the quarterback. So that's just, again, that's a top five defense. But just to go to your point, uh, here's a good one for last year. The footballs, the Washington footballs yeah. last year, good front seven, good pass rush, one of the worst defenses in the league, but they put up fancy points because of that. Yeah, it, it's just a very sneaky way, whether you're playing on DraftKings or whether you're just streaming week to week in your season-long fantasy league, it's usually the best route to go. Here's one for you. You're doing a draft right now or this weekend, and this situation hasn't resolved itself as of yet. Is Elvin Kamara holding out, Jake? <laughs> I don't think he is. If this late in the game, this just feels like, all right, I'm done practicing. I'm ready for this season. Are, are you, are you this sure? Because if not, this could go horribly wrong for whoever has like the fourth pick. No, I, I just, I really don't. Also, because there was a report yesterday that said that, you know, they both, both sides are optimistic to get something done. Again, it's like, I just want my running backs healthy. Like, I, I don't want to just like have them ready for week one. So, you know, I don't want to be that guy. Like, you know me, I always support players getting contracts and being able to get the most they can before their career is potentially over tomorrow. But at the same time, I just want for fantasy purposes, selfishly, them to be healthy. So if he's going to sit out this couple last days of practice, I'm fine with it. It doesn't sound like it's a major concern. Uh, Dalvin Cook, or if Hassan for the Athletic is already coming, who comes, covers the Vikings, says he doesn't expect Cook to miss any snaps unless it's injury-related. So all these holdouts just kind of feel like they learn from the Melvin Gordon and the Le'Veon Bell. Like, you really got not a lot to stand on. And second of all, even if you do, it's probably not going to be what you want the Le'Veon Bell contract to look at. So I'm not concerned. Maybe call me crazy, but it, all the reports for both teams sound like nobody's sitting out. 
I'm kind of concerned about Kamara. It would give me pause. I ha- I'm not doing a draft this weekend. I'm actually doing it into next week. But if this situation still isn't resolved, like I'm not taking Kamara in the first round, at least. Like that would be that would be malpractice. Just seeing what has happened in the past <laughs> to some of these guys who all of a sudden, no, I'm holding out. I I do agree with you that I do think this gets worked out by week one, and it won't be a concern. But you have to factor this in when you're doing it. Like everyone who drafted Bell that year got burned, and. See, but Bell was the entire offseason. Melvin Gordon was the entire offseason. Yeah, and this one and this one is coming in late. Like I get it from his leverage perspective. Like they're about to start the season. They've run their offense. This but he doesn't pro- have leverage because look how well, good the team was last year without him. <laughs> I suppose, but now they've just run all of these camps. And Dwayne Washington was just placed on the COVID list. So that's another guy who's out of yeah. that backfield. And so they now haven't it's brought anybody in. Well, they brought in Ty Montgomery, who I guess could be used in an Elvin Kamara. But they brought him in way. months ago. Yeah, I I understand that, but they're still running. Elvin Kamara as their lead. They want to give him the touches. He's a part of this offense. I I just think that if you're going to do it and want to get money, if you're not looking for the moon and you just want to pay increase for this year, I think this is the way to do it. It, it seems that way. So let me ask you, who are you more concerned about, Kamara or Mixon? Well, what's even going on with Joe Mixon? He has migraines. Is that even true? Like, I, I, just, well, some so of this news is really it's, confusing. <laughs> if it's true... We saw what happened to Percy Harvin. Like migraines are no joke. So, like you know, this could be a game day. He can't play uh, if it's true, and that's the speculation everybody's throwing out there. Everybody's speculating and saying, "Well, this is somebody who's also upset with his contract, and this might just be uh, something you really can't prove." And you know, you can say migraines and stuff like that. I know there's tests for it, but you know, you can lie about a migraine to a certain degree. Uh, I think that's what people are speculating is that he's just kind of doing this. There's another one. If he's lying, I'm fine because I just want him healthy for week one. I'm more concerned about Mixon than I am Kamara because if Mixon is telling the truth, the migraines could be an entire year situation. That's my concern with Mixon. Yeah, I'm actually more concerned about Mixon as well. I've already moved him down in my rankings in the last update and bumped. Where do you up. have him? Uh, I think I have him like 16 now overall. Yeah, I'm. Not, I have him at 14. I'm yeah. behind Jones and Jacobs and Chubb and Drake. And he's, he's right in front of Connor and Gurley. And to tell you the truth, I'd still take Mixon, but, you know, maybe to diversify, depending on, like, if I did 10 drafts, I might take a share of Gurley in there. Yeah, well, most people aren't doing 10 drafts. They're doing one draft. So you got to pick your poison. So you're saying don't take them. Uh, if you're going to do only one draft, no, it, it depends on what you're doing. Who did you go with first? If you, if, here's a good one. If you took Kamara, don't take Mixon. <laughs> if you took you know, Saquon Barkley, then go for Mixon for the pure upside of it. I can see it. I guess it depends on how low he falls. If he makes it past like the midpoint of the second round, I think it's now worth taking that chance. Regardless of whether you have Joe Mixon or not, though, it does sound like having Gio Bernard is going to be key here. We know what he does in the role when Joe Mixon isn't there for like one and a half games before he also gets hurt, but he's very (laughs) valuable. He gets all the touches. um, And you'll know by week one, basically, whether you should keep him or drop him. You know, that's so funny you say that, too. Not the, you know, until he gets hurt part, the drafting Giovanni Bernard, because I've done a couple of drafts, just did another one last night. And the funny thing is Chase Edmonds has climbed up into the eighth, ninth round range because of all the concerns of Drake being in the boot. Same guy. But I still, I, I still got Giovanni Bernard in the 13th round. I'm like, why are you doing one but not the other? I don't get it. Yeah, I don't quite understand that either. Those those two guys in particular should really be around the exact same price point. I think Edmonds, people see like, and this is a, a misnomer and people fall into this trap a lot. It's the same thing with Alexander Madison. It's like, oh, well, even if he's not the starter, he's going to have value. Here's a tip. Don't play Chase Edmonds if 
Kenyon Drake is active and playing because <laughs> he's going to score like four points. <laughs> It's actually the opposite. Gio's still going to be involved in the passing game more so than Joe Mixon. Like, that was the complaint this entire offseason before this Joe Mixon injury popped up was that he only sees, like, three targets a game. Now, he's one of the most efficient receivers in those, but that was the complaint is that Gio still gets that work. Yeah, but it's not like you're ever going to play Gio Bernard with Joe Mixon playing. Like, that's, no, not, no, no. that's not a good play. No. And they, but, this is, but this is the trap that people are going to fall into, and that's why I think why you see a gap between Edmonds and Bernard right now is like people have talked themselves into Edmonds has standalone value, which three out of the 16 weeks he will, you're never going to know which weeks those are unless Kenyon Drake gets hurt. Then you absolutely want it. But there's a lot of running backs in the backfield who are handcuffs that you would want if the starter was hurt. Like that's why I love Latavius Murray. No one's playing Latavius Murray. If Elvin Kamara is in, if Elvin Kamara is out, you play Latavius Murray. He's a top five running back. Like it's a very easy situation to grasp. Right. But we're, and what I was saying, and I completely agree with you, is that a force between the two and I'm in a PPR league. I could see myself in a slim week, six buys, four buys, starting Geo as my flex. That, that was going to be my yeah. I was and no, see. But yeah, and I don't want to. But be, if I had the choice, I would start Geo before I started Chase is what I'm saying. Uh, I don't even, I think your like floor for five points might be better, but I think I would just, I think that the bigger games will still come from Edmonds in the backup role. It could be zero, but it could be 12. Like the, the guy that you're talking about for this role is the guy that we talked about at the beginning of the show. Like Chris Thompson is the good version of this because his role doesn't change. <laughs> right. Exactly. Everybody should be drafting Chris Thompson. Uh, did you see these reports at a Kansas city that see like Daryl Williams is now like the backup, not Deandre Washington. I see that. Look, this is, I'm going to paint one picture and say that, like, again, we've talked about a few shows ago that all oh, this is all we have to go off of. Like, we don't have preseason. We don't have anything to really go off besides reports from practices, reports from camp, uh, which the worst part about it now is a lot of them are closing down for the last few days and not even letting reporters in there. But I'm going to give you an example. Two weeks ago, actually about a week and a half ago, Bryce Love could be the lead for the Washington footballs. He looks amazing. Looks like that first round talent he had before getting hurt at Stanford. We've talked about it. I said that I was a big Bryce Love fan and I could see that happening. And what happens this week? He might not be active in week one. What the hell just happened? Like, well, how did he go from looking like the best running back to he might not be active week one? Might even be cut because they love Peyton Barber. What the hell happened? So that's where I'm going to say with this is like, I get it. I don't know if I trust the reports. I still think that you just saw DeAndre Washington look good replacing Jacobs when he was hurt. They signed him in the offseason despite having Darwin Thompson and Daryl Williams. I just feel like if something happens, I'm banking on Washington. I could be wrong, and obviously we're going to want the next man up, whoever it might be, but I'm still going Washington. I have Washington still ranked ahead of Williams right now, but I think that in like the you know end of the draft, and Washington's still going a bit higher now, this might actually help his ADP a little bit where it was kind of going up. Now it might fall back down a little bit. 12th round, 13th round, take Washington. If you don't get him in like the 15th round, take Williams, like just to see what happens. Like if you, you have, could, if you, you have been the Chris Harris route. Yeah. Like it, what, what's the Chris Harris route? If it's 18 rounds or more, he just takes all three. <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, that that's vi that's viable advice for people who play in leagues that you know, who plays in this type of league. How many people like okay. honest to God, <laughs> for like helping people out who plays in leagues that have more than 18 spots on your team. I mean, it's very, I, I would say it's more possible this year because of people adding bench spots because of COVID and stuff like that. But yeah, I, even 18 to start with is I would have said maybe 5%.
Yeah, I listen, I don't I think it's a decent strategy that if you do have all of these bench spots, th- there's a, there's worse ways to waste them than Kansas City backup running backs if you don't know who they are. But I think right, in most but, nor- that was just- but in most normal leagues, I think you have to make a choice. I'm with you. It's Washington, but if I don't get him, I'm still considering Williams towards the back end if I can hold right. him for a bit. And that's what I was getting at. And I, I actually think if you are in a deep enough league, that's what Chris Harris's point was, is that you're going to get whoever the guy is. And when it shakes out, hopefully by week one, we know. And at this case, like, instead of just saying, well, I'm only putting my one throw out there, you're putting all three, you definitely get the backup option. And who else are you drafting in the 18th, 19th, 20th round anyway? Like similar guys that potentially you're going to cut anyway. The Eagles are banged up, man. <laughs> so is that is that not just the news for the last five years i guess so but alshon's gonna miss at least week one it looks like regor looks like he is going to miss probably a few weeks with like a partially torn labrum i had a partially torn labrum uh years ago not fun to deal with you can still catch a football but your range of motion is severely limited on that which you know as a rookie wide receiver you'd probably want it miles sanders is still struggling through this hamstring injury it's like that happened like eight days ago so everyone kind of forgotten about that that's still happening at the moment so i don't know what his status is going to be like for week one wentz is dealing with a soft tissue injury so that leaves us with the tight ends we got goddard and we got Ertz. someone named john hightower is quote making waves practice greg ward deshaun jackson who's now back and everyone's favorite guy from last year jj ortega whiteside like what are we doing here are we just drafting deshaun and moving on yes Uh, there's your answer right there if you can be patient with rager you know, obviously he has the, like everybody was ready to anoint him as the number one wide receiver for this team right now, ahead of Deshaun Jackson who's healthy for right now, but for right now, it would go with both. And I'm telling you like what this is going back to like the Nikhil Harry comparison. And the funny thing is, and I'm going to go something I think you and I talked about in the offseason. I know I said it several times. So I don't remember who I said it to, but I brought up Ortega Whiteside and I said, why is everybody immediately giving Nikhil Harry a pass for last year? And everybody's just dismissing Ortega Whiteside like he's done. His career's already over. Both rookies, both rookies who highly disappointed, both rookies who were taken very highly in last year's draft and thought of very highly by the draft community and were writing off one and not the other. That was my point back then. Well, what's happened since then? Nikhil Harry's news has been crap. He still can't separate. Nobody likes him. Cam Newton's been working with Sanu better. He's been working with Gunner Uzu, whatever his last name is. Uh, and yet... On the flip side, we're getting Ortega Whiteside looks good, could be pushing for the opening day starting spot across from Deshaun Jackson. So I say all that to instead of taking Nikhil Harry in the ninth round when people are just like, oh, he's going to be good. Why not just take Ortega Whiteside on the 13th with him potentially? Hey, maybe he's the one that bounces back faster than Harry does. Where would you draft Rager now? I, I still think he's worth owning at this point just for the upside. Yeah. You, you, well, now you have to be patient because you're yeah, going to have to keep him on your bench. Him. Yeah. Uh, he and I say that because there might be some weeks where you can't even make waiver moves because you're going to have to take him out of your IR because it could be a week by week where he's back not out on Tuesday, Wednesday, and then he doesn't get put out until Friday. So I say that with the patience because it's not somebody you could just put on your IR and stash for six weeks like he's on the pup. That's what I just threw that out there for that reason because that reason is why I would wait until probably the 10th or 11th round where I know I already have like a bench two or three guys in front of him. And now I can have that safety where I don't have to stress him being on my bench. You worried about Miles Sanders? 
Not yet, because they said it was precautionary from the jump off. And, you know, they said that there was one reporter who said, like, if it was a week one, if it was a game day, he would probably have tried to play through it. So doesn't sound good. Like, we didn't want him to play through it, but he's going to have almost three full weeks off. Again, I just want my running backs healthy by week one. He's not healthy right now, but it sounds like it's mild enough that he should be. Two running backs who we left for dead could potentially be starting in week one now because DeAndre Swift's leg is... I don't know, a concern to quote Matt Nobody Patricia, knows. To quote Matt Patricia, it looks like carry on starting week one. He's starting a week one, but it, this is so I went from being, you know, I love DeAndre Swift and thinking he could take over and take over and be the lead by week one. He's just Miles Sanders now. He's it's gonna take a few weeks, but he should be the lead by week six, seven, eight. Patience. But here's the problem. Again, like Miles Sanders last year, if you're going to draft him in the sixth round, you brought up this point before. People are going to be a little hesitant to, you know, anybody that's in the top five or six rounds, they're going to be like, well, that's kind of a cost I spent. I'm not going to give up on him now in a trade. So you're not necessarily going to be able to avoid him and buy low. Your choice is going to be draft them and be patient or just avoid them. Uh, to update the previous note that uh, Armstead is still not practicing again today. So it looks Dang. like it looks like Ozigbo is taking the first James team. Robinson. It, 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 the, the reports that I'm seeing right now is that Ozigbo is taking the first team reps right now. Okay. But that's we'll see. That's what no, I'm no, saying. no. I wasn't saying like we'll see who like I'm right. I was just saying we'll we'll see how this obviously shakes out because it was funny. Like I think it was just yesterday they were talking about James Robinson was working in the first team. Yeah, so first I, team, that, that, know, that's, first a, that's a situation to monitor, like, all the way up to the time that you draft. Right, right. And in this situation, if if Zeke is getting first team and Anderson's only getting second team, that tells you something. On the flip side, I want to throw out something we've talked about last year, and I don't think we've mentioned it this season, but to remind people, first team reps are often overrated because if you're evaluating players – you can't evaluate them when they're playing with the third team, unless you don't even care and they're not even going to make the roster. If you're going to evaluate somebody like a running back, you're going to give them first team reps. Uh, they, we've seen this before. First team reps doesn't mean they're the first option. It just means they need to figure out, is this somebody that deserves to be in the conversation? So if you see both of these guys getting first team reps, they're trying to evaluate. If you see one getting first team and the other one's only getting second team run, and that's where the Bryce Love news came from, is that he wasn't getting any first team reps, then that's where your concern starts to come in. Okay. Uh, the second of the running backs that look like they might have a starting job week one, and we didn't really think that, that Frank Reich said that Jonathan Taylor might have a good role in the passing game. And it's like, oh my God, Naheem Hines <laughs> is going to the bench. But again, it looks like Marlon Mack could be the starter week one there. I know we kind of thought that could be the case, but just assumed it wouldn't be. But now we're here and it looks like it is. Uh, I, I think we kind of thought that was always going to be the case. We just expected Jonathan Taylor to push him aside week by week and that similar to the Miles Sanders comparison that we keep making that was going to be another situation like that the concern that we had was is he going to be involved in the passing game because we just talked about Fournette at the top of the show Jonathan Taylor is a better pass catcher than people realize he even said so himself he hates the fact that he's coming from Wisconsin everybody just assumes Wisconsin running backs can't catch is that like Fournette he's more of a dump off kind of like, hey, I'm going to screen it out to you, dump it off to you, you go make the yards after the catch versus actually running routes like Naheem Hines will. So you like to hear the news that all three of them are going to get worked in the passing game. But what does that mean? Like the, it's probably Hines is still going to see 50 plus targets. Taylor and Mac might see like he Taylor might see Max passing game work, which was, as we know, very little. Potentially, it's just a, it's a weird situation. Do you think that if you had to own one for the season, now we both think that these guys get usurped and they lose their job, but between Carrion Johnson and Marlon Mack, 
which one would you actually want to draft? And you can't Only say because... ne- you can't say neither. Uh, I would I would say carry on uh, because Swift is banged up, and if he's starting more behind the ball than than uh, Jonathan Taylor is. Okay. A uh, few more news items before we get out of here. Chris Herndon limps off the field at Jets practice today, so probably don't draft him. Did the Jets have anyone left to throw to besides Jamison Crowder? No, that's what that's what made Chris Herndon so appealing is this is the same guy people wanted to be a tight end one last year and then missed his you know, suspension and being hurt. If this I, I just hope this is minor, like if this is a one day thing, hopefully and just got like tweaked and just want to make sure. I still fire him up as somebody as a tight end to that could potentially return tight end one value because you just said it. Who else is he throwing to? Brashard Perriman, hurt. Denzel Mims, hurt. I mean, they're signing dudes off the street. Chris Hogan. Like your boy, Chris Hogan, is back on this team. Jamison Crowder is, as what I keep saying, Jamison Crowder is poor man's Terry McLaurin, and Chris Herndon is walking into basically like looking at 100 targets himself. But, oh, God, this this would suck if he's hurt again. Yeah, I like Crowder this year. I just think uh, almost like how I loved Cole Beasley the past, like last year in Buffalo. I think that Crowder can just kind of like double <laughs> those. Cole Beasley? What's that? Yeah, he's he's like the Jets Cole Beasley, but better. Don't let him hear that. That Cole Beasley is going to be sad. You're the only fan left. I love Colby. Me and the bees. Exactly. Me and the bees. Exactly. We got a connection. That guy, if I need like a quick seven catches for 41 yards and maybe a fumble, Cole Beasley's my guy. <laughs> maybe a fumble. Uh, Jordan Reed. Somehow, like we've talked about, like the Jets receiving core is all banged up. The Eagles receiving core is all banged up. Uh, Ditto for the 49ers as they keep signing like random dudes that I didn't know were still in the league. And then they get put on IR. Like Jordan Reed has become like the favorite target of Jimmy Garoppolo in practice. Maybe because he's the last man standing. But week one, (laughs) I don't even know who's going to be on the field for them. Uh, I still keep going back to Kendrick Bourne. Like Kendrick Bourne was getting the red zone targets alongside George Kittle, even with Debo out there. Kendrick Bourne did a lot with little. And it's funny that, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to draw another parallel here. Everybody wants to talk up me, Cole Harbin. He's on the Chiefs. This is the 49ers, not comparing the teams that whatsoever. But everybody talks me, Cole Harbin, how much he did and how many touchdowns he scored on, how few receptions and targets that he had. Well, Kendrick Bourne essentially was doing the same thing. He was just taking every target he did and scored half the time. So I'm not saying this is going to be like, oh, look out. This is going to be a world breaker. But your boy here, the, uh, I think, I, hey, you're not going to like it because you don't ever like any of mine. But I put Bourne with the colon. I put resurrection like, you know, like one of the movies. But and there you go. I know you don't like it. Yeah, I'm out on that one. Just call him KB. <laughs> no, but look. you need to come up with a nickname for him. That's my point. I'll work on it, as I know. Defenses and nicknames. The only two things that I can get right during the fantasy football season. That's why you're here for the rest of the stuff. Like I said, you leave the nicknames to me on this one. I'll brainstorm. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm gonna brainstorm, all right? Just either it comes right away or I gotta think about it for a second. (laughs) Lamar Miller activated by the Patriots. Don't care. care. Don't care. Okay, moving on. No timetable for Devontae Parker in his minor injury. He's like you said, riding Peloton on the sidelines. (laughs) That's I do care about that. So I've been one of the highest on Devontae Parker. He's inside my top 20. It has been because even with Preston Williams, it's just going to be so much going to both of them. Like, why are we complaining about Devontae Parker? But this is a little bit concerning. I would still confidently take him as my wide receiver three because that's still – you were getting him as a wide receiver three this entire time anyway. Uh, But now I'm I'm looking at my rankings, and I actually had Cooper Cup right behind him. Uh, I don't – you know, Cooper Cup's just popped up, and they said he's fine. Parker, this has been a week now. So I think I would lean towards Cup. I'd lean probably Tyler Lockett. Uh, I would definitely go Terry McLaurin. Uh, that's not even a question now. 
I'd probably even go Tyler Boyd at this point. Uh, I just took him last night in another draft. I think Tyler Boyd's being disrespected. You know, can't do it with AJ Green on the field. Can't do it with AJ Green off the field. Like, make up your mind. He did it with both, and he's just good. All right. That'll do it on the Pat Mayo experience. I think he everything? just he's he's on the sidelines. He has this membership to Peloton. He doesn't want Ty <laughs> to let him out of Thailand that's that a, that's easy. Like a, he's got to burn like his calories. <laughs> I was gonna say that's like a forty dollar a month membership. I, I kind of I understand. Yeah, you can't you can't have that going to waste. Anyway, Jake, tell everyone where they can find your rankings. Oh, over at theathletic.com. Actually, if you go to the, the rankings right now, depending on who you are, how lucky you might be, you might get 40 or 50% off. If you scroll to the bottom, and you haven't subscribed yet. That's not going to last long. So go do that. Uh, but in any case, I tweet everything out on at all in kid. You, as you mentioned at the top of the show, that's the easier way to find it. Yeah. At all in kid on Twitter at the PME on Twitter. I'm also on cameo. Jake, did you know that if I've already done a few, you told me last time, it's a ton of fun. I've been doing draft orders for people. I've been talking shit to people's league mates, cameo.com slash the PME. If you want me to do whatever, you just let me know and I'll accept or I'll decline. Give him a nickname. I've accepted them all so far. Fill in the minute. Not that hard for me. I can just kind of go on and on and I got to pace myself a little bit better. Rankings up on DKNation.com in the description of this video and podcast as well. Just like the Listener's League link, just like the NFC win total show, AFC tomorrow, Kentucky Derby tomorrow. So much content coming at you and we'll probably have some more updates for injuries as well. I'm Pat Mayo. Smash the like. So sub to Mayo Media Network. I think that's everything. I'll see you next time. Pat Mayo Experience! Experience!